had Ise Seispus Pava, or Happy Independence Day. Tere, and welcome to History of Estonia podcast, episode 21, The Great Northern War. In the second half of the 17th century, the Swedish kingdom was at the height of its power. The Baltic Sea had almost become its inland sea, so that even Denmark, which charged duty on all other foreign ships, could not charge Swedish ships. Poland, Denmark, and Russia opposed Sweden's dominance in the Baltic Sea. They all had claims to parts of Sweden's possessions. By the end of the century, a favorable opportunity presented itself. Russian-Polish relations had improved, and thanks to a peace treaty, both states were for some time relieved of Turkish danger on their southern borders. Sweden's allies, England, France, and the Holy Roman Empire, were occupied with their own internal problems. Sweden's internal conditions were problematic. The famine of 1695 to 1697 crippled vital parts of the state. In 1697, King Carl XI died. The new king, Carl XII, who came to the throne at the age of 15, and he, of course, was rather inexperienced. A part of the Estonian and Livonian nobility were politically opposed to Sweden and ready to acknowledge the king of Poland as their master. In 1699, August II, Prince Elector of Saxony, was elected king of Poland. Peter I, the Russian Tsar, and Frederick IV, king of Denmark, formed an alliance against Sweden. According to the agreement, Estonia and Livonia were to be subordinated to Poland in case of victory. Despite its difficulties, Sweden maintained its strong military power. Its mines and manufacturing sector produced over 30% of the world's cast iron and steel, which enabled the production of high-quality weapons. A great number of free peasants allowed the maintenance of a cheap, effective, and patriotic army that gave Sweden an advantage compared with European mercenary troops. The Great Northern War broke out during the eve of the 12th of February, 1700, as the Saxon troops of August II, concentrated in Coronia, attacked Riga. The Livonian governor-general had been aware of the danger and took precautions. The Saxons laid a long and unsuccessful siege to Riga. In the summer of 1700, Danish troops conquered some Swedish possessions in Germany. However, as the Swedish army rapidly moved to lay siege to Copenhagen, Denmark was forced to make peace immediately. In the autumn, Russian troops had concentrated near Narva. In the latter half of October, the main force started a fierce bombardment of the town under the command of Peter the Great. At the same time, Boris Sheremetyev and his Russian forces invaded Viruma, going as far as Rock Ferry with 5,000 cavalrymen and mercilessly devastated the land. Being faced with such a difficult situation, Carl XII, the young Swedish king, acted skillfully and decisively. In early October, he landed in Pernu with his main force, having decided to attack the Russians first. 
The Battle of Narva. From Pernu, the Swedish army moved through Tallinn to Rockferry, where the necessary provisions for the men and horses had been gathered in haste. On its way to Narva, the Swedish advance guard met Sheremetyev's cavalry at Puhoyoe. Despite the Russians' favorable position on the high bank of the river, they were routed with little trouble. Swedish war bulletins wrote about the Estonian peasant named Stepan Rabe, who was said to have led the troops to the Russians' rear, guaranteeing a quick victory. Having arrived in Narva, Karl XII, with his 10,500 men, faced the Russian army of 30,000 men. On the day before the battle, Peter left his soldiers for unknown reasons, leaving the handling of his troops to Duke de Croix of Austria. Using the cover of fog, the Swedish troops moved right in front of the Russian defense. On the 19th of November, at 2 p.m., Karl XII gave the command to charge. A snowstorm had just developed with the wind blowing from behind the Swedes and directly against the Russians. The Russian troops fled from the battleground, but as the bridges were destroyed, many drowned in the cold current of the Narva River as they attempted to flee back to Russia. The parts of the Russian army command that consisted of foreigners went over to the Swedish side. Some isolated Russian units withstood bravely, but they also surrendered before nightfall. A large part of the Russian battle equipment, including all the cannons, were collected as spoils of war to the victors. After their brilliant victory at Narva, the Swedes also organized looting raids beyond the Narva River. Due to a lack of men and arriving winter, continuing the war, the campaign was out of the question. The Swedish army with their young king stayed at Laulse for the winter. In 1701, Swedish royal troops left Estonia. Military activities continued in Lithuania and Poland. A small garrison of field troops under the command of Anton von Schlippenbach were left to defend Livonia. Having come to terms with a defeat at Narva, the Russians concentrated new troops in Peskov under the command of Boris Sheremetyev. In September 1701, 20,000 Russians invaded southeast Estonia in three places, but were forced to retreat by 2,000 Swedish defenders. After receiving reinforcements, the Russians came over the border again at the end of December. An attack in winter came unexpectedly. At the manor of Edersferi near Kenepi, Russian troops, outnumbering the Swedes by three to one, gained their first important victory in the Great Northern War. The Battle of Eresferi was the first in a number of defeats Swedish field troops suffered in Livonia. In July 1702, the Swedes were defeated in a battle near Volga at the manor of Humuli. Retreating Swedish soldiers were even seen in Pernu. Henceforth, the troops of von Schlippenbach could no longer prevent the looting raids by Russian forces in Livonia and Estonia. In 1703, the Russians mercilessly devastated the entire eastern part of Estonia, up to the Viljandi and Yarva regions. 
Sheremetyev wrote to his czar with the following information, and I quote, There is nothing left to be devastated in the enemy's land. Men, women, and children have been taken prisoner by the thousands, as well as horses and cattle. Anyone who couldn't be taken along were stabbed or cut to pieces. All of Livonia and a part of Estonia are so empty that the settlements exist only on a map. To my mind, all those who are hiding themselves in bogs and woods side firmly with you. End quote. However, all Estonian towns were still in the hands of the Swedes, and their navy had full control over Lake Pepsi. In the early part of May 1704, an arranged Swedish fleet sailed towards Lake Pepsi from Tartu via the Emma Yogi River. Due to the lack of caution, the Swedes fell into a trap set by the Russians near Castre. There was no maneuvering space in the narrow river, and the big ships were not able to offer any resistance. In order not to surrender the flagship to the Russians, the crew blasted it and went down with the ship. The other ships fell to the Russians. Having placed Lake Pepsi under their control, the Russians could now use the waterways for transporting heavy siege cannons to both Tartu and Narva. In June 1704, Peter I again attempted to besiege Narva, and after that, Tartu. The lack of success bombing Tartu made the Tsar nervous, and he came to lead the attack himself. As the command of Peter I, the troops started to demolish the old defense from the side facing the river. On the 12th of July, the raid began, and on the, on, and on the next morning, Tartu surrendered. The troops that concentrated at Narva also took the town in a raid on the 9th of August. For Estonian peasants, the war brought about terrible suffering. In the areas living under a reign of terror, tillage did not occur. In the first years of the Great Northern War, many families tried to resettle in the western parts of Estonia. People also sought shelter in the woods and bog islands. The war also brought about an increase in the duties of peasants, as Swedish policy was based on the principle that the country in which the war is held covers the war expenses. The troops marching through would take everything they needed arbitrarily. Peasants were constantly taken as assistants for the building of fortifications. The duties of lodging and compulsory conveyance, which means being forced to transport material, were also exhaustive. In 1700, there were already some peasant disturbances. Usually the peasants refused to fulfill their duties and sometimes plundered the manor. Most of these revolts took place in southeast Estonia, where a number of peasants had already fled to Russia. Attempts were also made to recruit Estonian peasants to the Swedish army. Groups of soldiers headed by an officer would move around in the country, forcing the peasants to join the Swedish army, often by swindling or violence. At the same time, many Estonians joined the army voluntarily so that they could be relieved of their duties at manors. Units of militia were formed of local men, whose arms were limited to old guns and swords taken away from Russians. Still, the peasants showed a remarkable fighting spirit 
For example, the commandant of Tartu brought attention to the distinguished bravery of two militia battalions at the town's defense. Approximately 15,000 Estonians were recruited into the Swedish army during the Great Northern War, of whom a number were promoted and became officers. After Tartu and Narva were conquered, military activities in Estonia ceased for a while and were limited to mutual looting raids into enemy territory. In 1708, active warfare began again in Estonian territory. The most important battle was held at the field of Vini Manor, which ended with the defeat of the Swedes. This was also the last significant battle in Estonia in the Great Northern War. However, the final results of the Great Northern War remained unsettled. The Russians were afraid that Karl XII would return to Estonia and Livonia and were not sure that they could keep the conquered territories. In the winter of 1708, all the citizens of Tartu and Narva were deported to Russia with their families and in the summer of the same year, Tartu was blown up almost entirely. Kasu Hans, the pastor of Puhia, who is considered to be the first poet of Estonian origin, has described this in, in a lament, lamentation. In the Battle of Poltava, held in late June 1709, Peter the Great completely smashed the Swedes' main force. At that point, it was no longer in the Swedes' ability to keep Estonia and Livonia in their possessions. In early 1710, Riga surrendered to prevailing Russian troops, followed by Kurosare and Pernu in August and Tallinn in September. The plague, which, it, which in some garrisons killed more than half of the soldiers, also weakened the resistance of the siege. On 29th October 1710, an act of surrender was signed in the manor of Harku near Tallinn, according to which the Swedish army surrendered and the Estonian nobility in Tallinn recognized Russia's supremacy. End of the Great Northern War and Estonia's Annexation to Russia Although as Tallinn surrendered and open military activity ceased, the suffering of the Estonians had not yet come to an end. In the years 1710 to 1711, the plague epidemic that had started to spread in the Swedish army killed more than half of the peasant population that had survived the war in 1710 to 1711. Three quarters of Tallinn's population died of the plague. The population decreased to 120 to 140,000 people. The country was in a state of chaos, and bands of robbers, both peasants and former soldiers, so-called looters, stomped about. Looters from Russia were able to join in as well. After Tallinn surrendered, the Great Northern War continued for another dozen years. Although the Swedish army was smashed, its navy remained quite strong. The lack of funds caused difficulties for the state. Until then, the war was at the expense of the provinces. But now the war started to drain Sweden itself. Karl XII was considering giving up his Baltic possessions to Russia, but first he decided to invade Norway because it was at war and was a Danish possession. In a campaign against Norway in 1718, 
The king, Carl XII, was shot in the head and killed while inspecting trenches on the battlefield. The Swedish military command still tried to continue the fight with Russia, but a defeat in a decisive naval battle in 1720 left the country's coast open to the forces of the enemy. Therefore, the Usikalpunki Peace Treaty was signed in 1721, according to which Russia got Estonia, Livonia, Ingria, and part of southeast Finland, including Vyborg. It gave the Finnish territories occupied during the, during the war back to Sweden and paid 2 million Thaler reparation. Sweden got the right to import duty-free grain from Estonia and Livonia for a remarkable sum at the time of 50,000 rubles. We are now under a completely new administration. Many things change, many things will not. At least a period of relative peace settles over the land for a long time and the population will begin to rebound from the devastating lows of the Great Northern War. Until next time, Nagamiseni.